This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio, Season 3, Episode 2. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hetton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hetton. Happy Sunday, Randy. Yes. (laughs) Nice chatting with you over the weekend, Lynn. Yes. So today we're talking about the four C's and to provide a little bit of context, if you listen to our last episode, Randy and I shared our visioning process and our profile of a graduate and our learning beliefs. So this year, um, after taking a year to build our vision, we are taking a year to build a shared understanding of our vision. And one component of that is to build a shared understanding of the four C's. So we're using this podcast as a vehicle for our department chairs and our PLN members um, our, our staff, our teachers, and even potentially students to learn more about the four C's. And in this podcast, we're just going to introduce them. Um, we're using several resources to anchor our work at Leader 21 and P21.org, the Partnership for 21st Century Skills. So while I think that uh, this might be useful for a wider audience, really uh, our main focus is on our school audience as well. So kick us off with the first C, which is critical thinking. So critical thinking, um, when we start to break that down, it's really actually very complex. We we want our students to be able to reason effectively, you know, both inductive and deductive reasoning based on the situation and, and what they're trying to, to solve. We want them to use systems thinking to understand how parts of a whole interact and to understand um, how one, one task or one component can lead to another and to be able to predict some of those changes and um, interact in ways that systems will um, interact both positively and, and negatively. So we want students to be able to use mental models to think about that. We want them to be able to make judgments and decisions. Um, you know, we see this in writing. We see this in creating a video. There's so much information out there. They have to make judgments about the best information to use. They need to curate the most effective resources um, for what they're looking at and the arguments or claims that they're trying to make. And then they need to reflect critically on their learning experiences. You know, as they collect and analyze that relevant information, um, they have to organize it and question it and um, be able to reflect on it and evaluate solutions and determine next steps. So, Thinking about critical thinking, it's a very complex task. There are a lot of components, and we want our students to really understand what some of those components are. So let me ask you a question. 
What would you say would be some of the initiatives and things that we focused on in terms of curriculum development, strategies for the classroom that would naturally connect with this idea of critical thinking? Um, maybe we haven't explicitly used the term critical thinking, but what are some of the things that our teachers might already be doing in the classroom that uh, they could easily connect this idea to? So anywhere students are interpreting or analyzing or reasoning, anywhere they're trying to solve a problem with a solution or construct an argument, even researching and discovering, um, these are all components of critical thinking that students might already be doing in research projects um, if they're creating a video or if they're writing one of those argumentative, argumentative essays, even um, writing that they're creating in content area classes. You know, there are a lot of components of critical thinking that we're already seeing in our classrooms. I think the next step is thinking about how do we explicitly um, teach this idea of critical thinking in some different ways. Um, and you've mentioned, I know when we worked with the Your Salisbury group, you had shared this idea of the thinking protocols. And I know that our department chairs and our uh, teacher leaders and principals that are on those teams uh, have experienced some of those thinking protocols. And I know I've used them personally as well as uh, in some of the work that I've done with graduate students. And they're very powerful tools and they're, they're really um, good tools that teachers can use to gain some traction on this idea of critical thinking. So I think one of the questions that we can have educators think about is how do you explicitly teach critical thinking and do you use some of these thinking protocols and are there other tools that you can use as well? And how can students practice critical thinking in the classroom through these tools? So absolutely, those thinking protocols are really powerful, both when used orally with students as well as when used um, through written context. We'll link those in the show notes so that teachers can explore them and see what connections they can make so that they can explicitly teach critical thinking. So let's talk about collaboration next. All right. So collaboration seems like something that we do all the time. We always have kids uh, collaborating with each other, whether it be, you know, talk to your shoulder partner or let's get to a group of students together for a project. So basically, collaboration is the ability for our students or for anybody uh, to work effectively and also respectively and with different kinds of learners too and different kinds of situations. And some of the things that might uh, be look for is that you want to see uh, students that are collaborating at a high level, they're exercising some flexibility. So while they're grappling with a problem, they're listening to different kinds of perspectives and they're having conversations which might result in in compromise. So compromise is a, is a characteristic of some effective collaboration. Uh, one of the things that we hear about collaboration is, oh, the same students, the high achievers are doing all the work for all the other students and it just doesn't work. And, you know, when you're teaching collaboration, you have to intentionally teach learners, whether they're students or adults, you have to teach them how to collaborate effectively. And one of those things is sharing responsibility. What kinds of behaviors do we have to demonstrate as effective collaborators in which we're sharing responsibility? And throughout the process, we are valuing the individual contributions of all the people that are on the team and making sure that everybody is held accountable for contributing. So if we were going to talk about some different components uh, of 
collaboration that maybe if we wanted to assess it, um, some components we might look at would be um, the idea of, is there some initiative that uh, the team member is contributing towards the collaborative process? How are they collaborating? Is there that idea of flexibility and sharing of responsibility? And does that responsibility result in a collaboration that's productive? There's some sort of outcome to it. Um, collaboration can also be facilitated by technology tools. So I could collaborate with people in the same room, but I could also use some technology tools to collaborate with somebody outside. If we look at that um, component of our learning beliefs, the idea that learning is open-walled, so that collaboration can be open-walled as well. But I could still use something like a Google Doc to collaborate um, with my fellow learners within the same room, uh, but maybe at a different time. So those are some things that you might look for in terms of effective collaboration. So I want to make a couple of connections here to what you're talking about, Randy. Um, first of all, this idea of compromise. Um, thinking about compromise, also thinking about that through the lens of finding a third alternative. And for our leader and me teachers, um, you know, that's a language that we're using with students. When you're working together, you can each bring something to the table. You each have a different perspective. But when you leave the conversation, you have a third alternative. So it's something that both people have um, shared ideas and perspectives. And this third alternative naturally evolved. And making the connection also for our teachers that we do see a lot of collaboration. You know, we do see students working cooperatively and we do see flexibility. And you mentioned Google Docs. I think that's been huge for our group work. Um, it's been huge for students to have um, a forum for group work and an opportunity to use those Google Docs or slides or um, even the spreadsheet components collaboratively and also to have some individual accountability there. So one of the challenges with collaboration is sometimes individual contribution. So um, the transparency through Google Doc is does allow for that um, as you build that skill within students. And I know um, one of the texts that I've used is to uh, help educators understand uh, some strategies by which to teach this idea of collaboration is the Harvey and Daniels book, Comprehension and Collaboration. Uh, so maybe we'll link to that. And uh, I think online too, there are some free resources that might be useful to teachers in teaching mm -hmm. this idea of collaboration. And if you remember back last year, we had a couple of teachers who were using that book mm -hmm. as their mentor text um, with our Innovate Salisbury group. Yes, we did. So a question to leave, um, our, leave our listeners with is how do you intentionally teach students to collaborate? You know, do we tell students to work together or do we do some short mini lessons? You know, do we do any fishbowls? Do we do any inside outside circles to help students really understand um, what collaboration should look like, what it should sound like, what should the end result be? And also what opportunities do our students have to collaborate with each other, but also the outside world. So um, other experts, other students, other teachers, you know, other people with whom they can work to develop a stronger product. All right, let's go on to the next C. So talking next about communication, and my, has communication evolved, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have opened up so many opportunities for students for communication. By providing our one-to-one -one devices, they now have a whole forum of new ways to communicate, whether it's a Web 2.0 tool, um, such as a Glog, or it's a 
um, a video made with iMovie or it's a Google Doc or another presentation tool, students have a lot of ways to now communicate um, in addition to face-to-face communication. So communication using those interpersonal skills during conversations and discussion to promote collaboration and also build positive relationships. So thinking about the soft skills, thinking about nonverbals, and thinking about the actual language and verbiage that we're using. Um, We want to communicate interactively and effectively to support individual learning and to contribute to learning of others. So how does a student in a discussion add value to the discussion for other students? You know, conversely, what does the listening look like? Are you listening to really understand? Are you listening to include knowledge and attitudes? Um, Are you communicating what you've heard or what you've learned? And can you communicate in those diverse environments, whether it's multilingual or through coding or um, maybe demonstrating some cultural understanding and global awareness when interacting with students of other cultures? So lots of components to communication. And I think what's interesting, taking a, a, a break here and, and uh, thinking about these these different skills, while we're talking about them in silos, I think it's really important for our teachers and our listeners mm-hmm. to see how they really connect with each other and they're, they can be in a project or in work in the classroom, they're very much entwined with each other. Um, you can't really have communication without probably some critical thinking um, or even mm-hmm. collaboration. Uh, and... I just I think it's really important that while we're taking these in silos, they don't necessarily live in silos. Yeah, good point. You're not going to have effective collaboration without effective communication. So we were thinking about breaking down communication to specific components, thinking about engaging in conversation and discussion using those 21st century communication tools, um, listening being communicating effectively in diverse environments, you know, thinking about the oral presentation and also being able to reflect and self-regulate. So a couple of questions to finish off uh, this idea of uh, communication, some things for our listeners to think about. What opportunities do your students have to learn to communicate with peers and adults through multiple media? And how has communication evolved in your classroom, in the world, and uh, how does your how does your classroom represent that evolution in the world too? Um, so some really interesting things that could get you to to reflect on your own practice there. Okay, so talking about our last C for this evening, creativity. Okay, creativity. Oftentimes when we hear the word creativity, think, oh, it must be the arts or it must be performing. But (laughs) in the world that we live in now, there's so much creativity that's going on with this idea of uh, evolving products and projects and things that we do in, in our work, regardless of what our role is, there's always some sort of creative element and it's become a much more powerful thing and uh, a much more uh, important quality that everybody uh, needs to have once they graduate, regardless of what career they go into. Um, so people that think creatively are using a wide range of uh, strategies and techniques to begin that creative process and generate those ideas, things such as brainstorming. Uh, And what's really important is that whatever area they're working in, whatever content area they're working in, it has to be some sort of new idea that uh, is relevant and um, useful in terms of whatever the problem that's trying to be 
uh, solved and whatever kind of solution is being designed. It has to be something that's worthwhile and some sort of useful contribution uh, in terms of helping to solve that problem. Uh, so there's also this component of working with others, that idea of collaboration, meshing with creativity, and how uh, does the learner work with other other learners to develop, implement, and communicate uh, different possible creative uh, ideas. And then there's also the iterative process, the process that um, one idea gets put on the table and then it gets tossed around and played with a little bit through collaboration and communication and probably some critical thinking to mm -hmm. create a, a new iteration of a possible solution to whatever that identified problem has been. Um, and so this idea of um, design and refinement, that uh, iterative process is something that's um, really important in the creative process. And as our teachers start to um, focus more on developing, developing the creativity of our students, it's important that they, that they accept that uh, iterative process, which will oftentimes have uh, ideas that might kind of fail or not be all that great, but that's mm -hmm. part of the process of um, being creative and, and getting to a solution that, as I said earlier, has some uh, usefulness and uh, makes a contribution towards solving some sort of problem. So if we were going to look specifically to um, evaluate or maybe create a mini lesson on a specific component of creativity, what might be some of those components? Well, starting out, you might think of um, idea generation. So hopefully, you know, through some critical thinking, you've identified a problem and uh, now you collaborate and communicate with each other to come up with different ideas. So how are those learners generating ideas and possible solutions? As I mentioned, that design process, how's that design mm -hmm. process unfolding? And, you know, from the teacher perspective, how do you intentionally uh, provide the space for and maybe some, depending on the developmental level, some guided instruction and in what that design process looks like and how do you create those refinements and those iterations. Um, openness, and uh, this kind of relates to communication, I think, too. How open are the, are the people, the learners, uh, to new ideas, to different ideas, to playing with somebody else's idea to come up with something uh, that's even better? Um, how are they collaborating with others to do that? Uh, and and in terms of the final product, you know, how useful is it uh, to solving a particular problem? And in the in the process of um, designing a creative idea and refining it along the way, um, how much reflection is there too? Because you have to create something and then you think about it and in a collaborative way, probably uh, and and you're reflecting on that idea and you're creating that new iteration too. So how does reflection uh, play into that? So those are some components that as teachers are developing this skill in their students that they might wanna think about um, focusing in on or putting a little magnifying lens on those areas. And certainly we want our teachers to start thinking about what opportunities do students have to create um, original work in their classes and how can they use the multiple media to create independently and collaboratively. And, you know, one more, how do they build in this concept of reflection along the way? And I think that could apply to any of the four C's. You started by talking about, 
when you think about creative, you think art, right? Have you seen the TED Talk? And I'm not sure if I'm saying her name correctly. May Jem Jemison, Teach Arts and Sciences Together. Um, really interesting TED Talk. It's, it's, I don't know, 14, 15 minutes. And she talks about stories from her own education. And she articulates this idea that we should be teaching both intuition or that thinking and, and mm -hmm. logic as one to create bold thinkers. So she makes um, some connections between the arts and this idea of thinking and even the design that you're talking about. So mm. we'll link that in the show notes for people as well. Yeah, I have not, have not heard of that or seen that. Each episode, we leave you with a couple of questions to think about with the idea of provoking some conversation and reflection. So this episode's questions, how do you foster the four C's in your classroom or organization? And lastly, how do you as an adult, as an educator, reflect the four C's in your own work as a teacher or a leader? And I really like that question because if you think about it, we want our students to be proficient and demonstrate competency in these four C areas, these skill areas. If we expect them to, we should, we should represent, uh, we should model these, I should say, in our work as well. So I think that's a good reflective question. Absolutely, for all of us. If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just find out more about the resources and links we shared in today's episode, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season three, episode two. We'd love for you to rate the show on iTunes. Let us know your star rating and consider leaving a one or two sentence review. If you have time to do that, you'll help new folks discover this content. Thanks so much for joining us. To learn more about our work in Salisbury Township School District, please visit stsd.org and check out our schools on Twitter with the hashtag YourSalisbury. All right, Lynn, thanks so much. That's it for now. And we'll see everyone next episode for another informative conversation. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.